And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time and bring your Welcome shame. to Educate for Life Radio and bring Podcast. Your I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. If you're looking to shore up your kid's faith or your own faith in Jesus Christ in the Bible as God's Word, uh, it's a great resource for you. We've got answers to all kinds of questions on the website. We discuss things like, is there actual scientific evidence for God's existence? Who put the Bible together? How do we know the books in the Bible haven't been changed over time, right? People have all kinds of attacks and skeptical questions about the Bible, and we're going to actually be dealing with some of those questions today. My guest today was born in Kuwait. He's an Iraqi Christian. Uh, He comes from an Iraqi Christian family. He moved to the United States with his family at a very young age, and he was raised in a home that professed to be the Assyrian Church of the East, if you know anything about uh, historically, what, he, what what we're talking about here, that would be the Nestorian church. Um, but what really got him fired up about Christ was he's, his faith was actually attacked. And uh, maybe this has happened to you. Maybe what really got you going was the fact that you were put in a position where somebody questioned your faith and you couldn't answer their questions. That's exactly what happened to Sam Shimon. And uh, he's on the radio with me today. He uh, speaks all over the place about the truth of Christianity and he shows that Islam and Christianity are in contradiction and why Christianity is true and Islam is false. His website is answeringislam.net. If you want to check it out, he's got all kinds of resources. And uh, we've got the privilege of having him on the air with us today. Thanks for being yeah. here, Sam. Thank you for having me to be used of the Lord Jesus Christ to glorify him and to be a blessing to his people because Jesus Christ, our Lord, is worthy. Amen. And we love him. Amen. Well, uh, hey, Sam, you know, uh, more than ever before— there's an Islamic presence in uh, America specifically, around the world, it's, a, it's an issue. It's in the news constantly. Um, can you start us off with your background? Yes. How did you get interested in responding yeah, you, to Islam? Yeah. You mentioned I'm a Syrian, and a lot of people may have no idea who the Assyrians are. We're not from Syria, because when I say Assyrian, they'll go, oh, you're Syrian. No, no. Assyrians, those who are familiar with the Bible, God's Word, <clears throat> and study it by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, You will hear about the Assyrians quite often all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. You have even two books dealing with my ancestors, the book of Jonah and the book of Nahum, or if you want to say Nahum. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's about the great city Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. So those are my ancestors. And historically, Assyrians were one of the first groups to convert to the Christian faith in the first century. So their roots go back to the first century. Most of the Assyrians lived in Iraq around Iraq, Iran, Turkey. The capital of the Assyrian Empire is Mosul, Iraq, what we call Mosul, Iraq today. But unfortunately, with the rise of Islam, when the Muslims conquered Iraq, the Assyrian community lived under the subjugation of Muslims. So what was once a land was pretty much belonged to the Assyrians, was taken over by the Muslim overlords. And so the Assyrians have lived under the sword, under the rule of Islam for the past 1,400 years. And so I think... Whether we like it or not, we have to deal with this religion, not just because I'm a Syrian, but because now it has arrived on our shores. We have Muslims in America, and we see what Islam is doing in Europe. In fact, there's about 1.7 billion people who profess to be Muslims. Now, they don't all belong to the same variety, the same striped flavor of Islam, but about 1.7 billion profess to be Muslims, and to be a Muslim is to be a follower of what they call Allah, because this religion supposedly was revealed in Arabic in the 7th century to an Arabian man named Muhammad. So they follow Allah and his messenger Muhammad. Now Muslims believe Allah is the same God of the Bible. See, when, when I use the term Allah, for those who are not from the Middle East or are not familiar with Islam and only speak English, that sounds like a foreign word. Allah, that's, that's not the God of the Bible. <laughs> the problem with that is, is that just like the Quran is in Arabic, our Old Testament is in Hebrew, and the New Testament is Greek. It's not in English. So if I was living at the time of Moses, I wouldn't be using the term God. I would be using the term let's such as Elohim, El, or Yahovah. Be that as it may, the Quran claims that the God who sent Muhammad with the Quran is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm. The, God, the God who sent Muhammad with the Quran is also the God that sent Moses with the law, which in Arabic, in the Arabic Quran, because the Quran is in Arabic, they call it the Torah. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it sure does. Torah, yeah. right? You got it, yeah, see? Yeah, yeah. So, Torah is the Arabic cognate of the word Torah. 
Torah is the Hebrew meaning instruction. So they acknowledge that Allah, who sent down the Quran, gave Musa, the Arabic name for Moses, the Torah. They also acknowledge that the same God Allah gave David the Psalms. And this is in their quote-unquote holy book. Yeah. Their holy book is called the Quran, and it consists of 114 chapters and over 6,000 verses. It's about two-thirds the size of the New Testament. Now, more relevant for the Christians is that Jesus Christ plays a prominent role in the Quran. In fact, he's one of the greatest messengers in Islam. And you can't be a Muslim if you don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, born of the Virgin, a miracle worker, who before he was crucified was taken to dwell in the presence of Allah. All of this according to the Quran. So we Christians have to be familiar with this religion because it's not just out there in the Middle East. It's here in our shores. In fact, in every major college campus, you'll have what's known as an MSA, Muslim Student Association, because they're also actively involved in trying to convert people to Islam because Islam, like Christianity, is a missionary-oriented religion. I don't like to say evangelistic because the term evangelism comes from the very word from which we get gospel. You know, in Greek, it's evangelion, meaning mm. the good news. There is no good news in Islam. Mm. But be that as it may, it's not just Christians. Muslims are commanded on the authority of their holy book by the God whom they think is the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, invite people to Islam. Just like our Lord Jesus gave us the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations. Well, their God gave them a similar commission. Invite non-Muslims to the way of Islam because Islam is the religion of all the prophets. It didn't start with Muhammad in the 7th century Arabia because Muhammad was born around 570 AD. And he claimed that he was called to a prophetic ministry. He was called to be a prophet when he was 40 years old, so around 610 AD. Now, according to the Muslim sources, the one who commissioned him to be a prophet was none other than the angel Gabriel. Mm. So this is what the Muslim tradition teaches. So angel Gabriel, who appeared to Daniel, who appeared to Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist, who appeared to the blessed mother of our Lord, Mary, supposedly that same angel came to mom and says, you're a prophet in the line of the prophets, and you've come to complete and perfect the religion that was espoused, believed, adhered by all the prophets before you. So this is what uh, Muslims generally believe for our, for our listeners. Yes. They believe that Muhammad came to essentially fix what had been messed up by the Christians and the Jews. Is At this time, yes. yes. Because there were so many sects and subsects, and people had lost the pure teaching of the prophets before them. So he came to restore their pure, pure teaching. Now, I want to make a distinction between <clears throat> him restoring the pure teachings with a common Muslim myth, because I just said that the Quran acknowledges that the prophets before Muhammad were given revelations in the form of Scripture. So you would think that means that the Muslim today believes that your Bible is the Word of God. Yeah. Actually, no. What they believe is that the Bible we have today contains in part the revelations given to Moses and David and Jesus, but then the Christians and the Jews, in their corruption, <clears throat> added to the text, deleted from the text, and basically <clears throat> their message is now lost in books that are now sandwiched with human alterations, human additions, so you need the Quran to separate the wheat from the chaff. So the Quran will tell you which parts of the Bible are genuine revelations and which parts are human interpolations, alterations? Okay, now I, I've got a question about this because, sure. you, you know, uh, I'm an apologetics teacher and I've talked about this quite a bit yes. in my classes and so forth. And thank God for you, by the way. We need more people like you. Hey, Lord Jesus bless you. Praise God. Thank you. And so my question is this, is we, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes. We have all this, this evidence that shows that the scriptures have actually not been changed. Yes. There's There's been no, uh, you know... Uh, changes in the translation over in the transmission over time yes so um do you what do you do when you bring this up yeah. what, what does a muslim say notice i made a distinction between what muslims believe from what their own religious text teaches if you actually read the quran in context the quran nowhere states the previous revelations have been corrupted to such an extent that we no longer have access to the original pure revelations the quran teaches the exact opposite now again because time is fleeting i can't go into all the evidence but just a couple of verses and, and each chapter of the Quran has a specific name, but for the convenience of the Christians who may not be familiar with the Quran, I'll just give the number of the chapter, like chapter 2. Okay. Chapter 5, verse 43 to 48, is one particular uh, section where the Jews are commanded to follow by their scripture and to judge according to their scripture. Whatever they had at that time, that was a revelation got, given to God, preserved by God, and they need to judge by it. In fact, the Quran says if they don't judge by it, they're no better than unbelievers and rebels. 
Then it says to the Christians in that same section, I'm just giving you one of many passages, yeah. and you can find, uh, find plethora of verses on the website. AnsweringIslam.net, we have a section, what the Quran teaches about the Bible, and we give you dozens and dozens of re references showing beyond any reasonable doubt that the Quranic view of the Bible is that it's the uncorrupt, pure revelation of God. But I'll explain why Muslims... That the Bible is. Yes. The Quran is saying that the Bible yes, is Yes, whatever the scriptures were in the possession of the Jews and Christians. Now, historically, you just mentioned, if you ask the Muslim, because in this passage I'm referring to, it even tells the Christians to judge by their gospel. Yeah. Muhammad is talking to the Christians at his time and saying, you Christians judge by what you have of the gospel. Historically, if you ask the Muslim, what scriptures did the Jews and Christians have at the time of Muhammad that the Quran is saying that those scriptures, those are the true, pure revelations of God. You just mentioned some of the evidence. The Dead Sea Scrolls, clear indication that the only scriptures that the Jews would have had before the time of Christ, after the time of Christ, and during the time of Muhammad, is your Old Testament. Mm. The Dead Sea Scrolls conclusively proves that. So if the Quran is saying the scriptures that the Jews had at the time of Muhammad, those are the pure revelations of God, and those scriptures are identical to what you have today, when did the corruption take place? Yeah. And we can do that with the New Testament as well, right? I mean, we can see manuscripts before Muhammad, during Muhammad, and it's the same New Testament that you're reading Nothing's today. changed, yeah. And the Quran says that is the revelation that the Christians are to judge by. Now, even though the Quran says this, why would the Muslims take an opposite stance? Why would they want to go against the Quran? Well, number one, they don't think they're going against the Quran because most Muslims, like unfortunately most Christians, are ignorant of the Bible. They're ignorant of the Quran. They only go by what they hear. So they're told the Bible's corrupt. But when you confront them with this evidence, first reaction is denial. No, it can't teach that. But when then you show them it does, it's shock. Yeah. And then your prayer is that the Holy Spirit will convict them to accept that your Quran is saying, my Bible is the word of God, now study it. That's Come fantastic. to know the true God. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, for those of you listening, my guest today is Sam Shamoon, and uh, he is answering Islam.net. Sam, how many how many years have you spent um, uh, being an apologist to Muslims? Yes. Well, I got into full-time apologetic ministry in 1999. Okay. So it, in the 90s, and the internet was just catching on. Yeah, so, well, you, you caught the wave here, huh? Yeah, and yeah. what happened Praise was God. at that time we had to go and buy, actually, hard copies of all these sources. Now, thank God for modern technology. Right now, all the books on my shelf that I had to pay you know, money for, yeah. it's now online for free. There you go. So thank the Lord. Yeah, praise God. Right? That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, for those of you listening, um, if you're somebody who's interested in lear learning more about Islam, learning how to have a dialogue that's intellectual, uh, because if you've ever had a dialogue with a Muslim, a practicing Muslim, you know it can get very confusing, it can get, get very difficult. Mm -hmm. If you don't know the Word of God, if you're not prepared to be able to respond to some of the, the issues that are brought up, so uh, this is a great resource for you to be able to get equipped and prepared to be able to dialogue. And it's not something that, as Christians, we can avoid. This is right here on the cusp. This is the cutting edge of, of where we're at in the world today in the spiritual war that's going on between the devil and the Lord. So um, stay with us. We're going to be right back with Sam Shamoon. Save money by taking good care of your car. Call Conover Tires Wheels and Service in Oceanside. Locally owned and operated since 1991 with all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers at ConoverTires.com. Dan and his team are proud to support Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. They even sell affordable, reliable used cars and enclosed trailers. Conover Tires, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard, 760-439-1631. Educate for Life helps you build your life on the rock. LG Equipment helps builders build on good soil. Luke Gibson's team at LG Equipment is your local source for grading, demolition, hauling, and more. Learn about their bulk water services from trucks to tankers to towers at rentwatertower.com. Get your questions answered. Call LG Equipment at 619-988-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-988-0924. Thanks for being with us today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and my website's educateforlife.org. 
uh, full of all kinds of resources for you to um, use to be able to strengthen your faith in the Lord and trust in the Word of God. Um, I've got interviews all over the place uh, up there on YouTube. We've got over 100 shows now with all kinds of people talking about issues, whether it's Mormonism, whether it's Jehovah's Witness, whether it's evolution and creation, everything you could possibly need to be able to get equipped to be able to um, share the good news of Jesus Christ in a loving and intellectual way. My guest today is Sam Shamoon, and he is with AnsweringIslam.net. He's been um, sharing the gospel with Muslims since around 1999. And um, Sam, what instigated this for you? You said yeah. when you were a kid, somebody yeah. challenged your faith. Yes. What qu specific questions did they ask you that really threw you uh, yeah. off, uh, your, off your game? It was in the 90s, and I had a friend who was Bosnian, and at that time I used to work out, and he was a boxer. He used to teach him how to box, and I was teaching him how to lift weights. Those days are gone. <laughs> Too many donuts hey, You now. still look pretty buff. I'm trying to get there. <laughs> Hopefully, Buttercus, I'm trying to get my health back by his grace and mercy. But yeah. because he was interested in Christianity, Muslims are a tight-knit community, so they notice when something is not completely right with one of their members. So they realize th this guy's not coming to prayers anymore. So they asked him, what's going on? Oh, well, I'm starting to read the New Testament, and I'm starting to get interested in what the New Testament says. So they went to panic mode. So they brought in a b big gun. And a lot of people don't know this, that typically what you have is that Muslims will form communities, and then they'll establish an Islamic center or a mosque, and they'll bring in their apologist to inoculate the Muslims from considering Christianity because they understand they're in the West. Mm. So the majority of people profess to be Christian. So they don't want their children to fall prey to Christianity or to what the secular professors are teaching about atheism. Mm. So they bring in their apologists. So when they heard this, they brought this guy in. He came in with a folder. It was like a binder, and he had different sections where he had different passages to attack specific doctrines of the Christian faith. So he had a section on proving the Trinity is not biblical. He had a section on proving that Jesus is not God, not from the Quran, mind you, from the Bible. Mm. Just like a Jehovah's Witness will quote certain passages from the Bible in order to mislead the person. When I say mislead, obviously that Jehovah's Witness doesn't think he's being a deceiver. He thinks he has the truth. Yeah. She thinks she has the truth. But they are deceived, and they're deceiving even though they may be ignorant of it. Problem is that we Christians are not prepared for that, and I wasn't prepared for this. He quoted verses, and I'll give you just one example when it comes to the deity of Christ. He gave me several. But in John 14, 28, Jesus says, The Father is greater than I. Now, hold on. You Christians tell me that Jesus and the Father are one, and they're equal in glory and honor and in essence. So here, but the plain words of Jesus from your own gospel, the Father is greater than I. Yeah. And so he went on this for a couple hours, and he really shook me up. And I remember for several weeks just crying myself to sleep, asking God, God, what am I supposed to believe? I know the Bible is true. I don't know how to defend it, but I don't know what to believe about the Trinity because this is what they focus their attack on, and I'll explain why when we talk about their view of God. Yeah. So I, I made a quote-unquote deal with God. I said, if you answer these questions, I promise to commit myself to you by the grace of your Spirit to teach Christians so that what happened to me will never happen to them. And glory to our triune God, glory to Jesus Christ that put me on the path, and I found the answers. And then in 1999, I got involved with answering Islam, and the rest is history. So okay. that's what happened, basically. Attacks okay. on the Bible, yeah. the Trinity, the deity of Christ, and the plan of salvation. These are their specific areas where they're going to attack. Your authority, your Bible, because so, they want you to believe in the Quran. Yeah, absolutely. So some people, you know, listening, um, I think they they get a little discouraged because they feel like, okay, there's two things. They're, they're nervous to talk to Muslims yes. because all over the media you hear of, you know, terrorists and these yeah, sorts yeah. of things. And then the other thing is that they feel like, man, any effort I make is not going to make a difference. So uh, yeah. I, I'm not knowledgeable enough. I'm yeah. not like Sam Shamoon. I don't know all this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how would you encourage the person that's sitting at home and goes, yeah. yeah, I know I need to make a difference. I know that Islam is something that we definitely need to, to be able to respond to, but yeah. I'm not ready and I, I don't feel equipped. Uh, well, remember what I just said. I wasn't ready either. Yeah. So I got attacked and my faith was shaken. But see, that's the thing. You have to believe. If you really believe Jesus is Lord and he's alive yeah. and he's risen and the Bible's his word, the Holy Spirit of the living God, he is your teacher, he is your guide, and he will guide you, and he will qualify you, and he will empower you. And I'm proof of it. Yeah. I got attacked. I didn't know the answers. No one is born a theologian. No one comes out of his mother's womb knowing the scriptures. It, it is a steady process of maturity, of growth, but you have to believe and you have to trust. And I know it's a cliche, but it's a true cliche. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm. 
And you see that in Scripture, don't you? Yeah. Moses is trying to argue his way out of going to Pharaoh because he says, God, who am I? Yeah. I have a speech impediment. And God says, well, who made, your, who made man's mouth? Gee, Moses, I didn't know. You caught me by surprise, Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> or in Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah's response when the word of Jehovah came, comes to him, the word of Yahweh comes to him, and he says, I'm just a child. I'm, uh, what do I know? I'm a kid. Yeah. And God says, do not say you're a child. I will be with you. And it says he put his words in his mouth. So God is not waiting for you to be a scholar. He's not waiting for you to get a PhD. He wants you to trust him and yield to him, and the Holy Spirit will guide you into finding the answers. And that's what God has done by raising those before you. See, I wasn't the first. There were people before me who were answering these objections. I learned from them. So then you learn from us, and then others will learn from you. So mm -hmm. we keep building on a foundation already laid, and we are standing on the shoulders of giants that God has raised up before us. Amen. And it's all there. Like yeah. you keep mentioning answeringislam.net. You don't need to be a scholar. The information is there. Just take a few minutes to read the answer mm. and pray and ask the Spirit to help you and then share it. And you said, you said, I think you said three or four places where the, the, the attack is focused in causing people yes. to doubt. Can you, can you repeat those yes. again? Yes, the authority, meaning the Bible versus the Quran. Obviously, a Muslim wants you to accept the Quran. Yeah. And the Muslim, and this is what I was saying earlier, though the Quran says the Bible's not corrupt, most Muslims don't know the Quran says that or don't want to believe it says that. Yeah. But now you wonder why are they taking that position because they know the Bible as it is contradicts the Quran. Mm. It proves that Muhammad can't be a true prophet. So obviously that means the Bible's changed if you're a Muslim. Yeah. Muhammad's obviously a true prophet. So they're going to try to get you to lose your faith in the Bible. Then <clears throat> comes the concept of God because I said in the previous segment, they believe that the God of the Quran, which in Arabic, <clears throat> they use the term Allah, Allah in Arabic for the God of the Quran is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Quran says that Allah of the Quran, he's not the Father, he's not the Son, he's not the Holy Spirit. A denial of the Trinity. Oh, wow. So then if he's not the Trinity, and you Christians say that God is a Trinity, one of us got it wrong. We can't both be right. Uh, be right. So what they try to do is try to demonstrate from even th your Bible, though they think it's corrupt, that even your Bible doesn't teach a Trinity. The Old Testament doesn't teach a Trinity. Jesus didn't teach a Trinity in order to get you to be more open in accepting their concept of God. And their concept is basically what I call Unitarian monotheism mm. versus Trinitarian monotheism. And what, we know what monotheism means, one God. But we believe this one God is tripersonal. Yeah. This one God is Father, Son, and Spirit. They believe the one God is a singular person. And that God is the one who sent Jesus. So Jesus is not part of the identity of that God. Now, do you see, do you see a lot of Christians... Um, actually falling for these ideas uh, is is are a yeah. lot of christians being influenced yeah. towards islam you know it's 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 hard to answer because it comes down to the question of can a true christian born of the spirit of god yeah fall to islam yeah see that's one that we we christians debate i see what you're saying yeah so but to answer the question more generically someone who professes to be a christian who comes from a christian background are they prone to it yes in fact if you go on youtube just Type in Christian convert to Islam. You know what you'll find common among all of them? These so-called Christians, and I say that because they really didn't know the scriptures, yeah. and doesn't mean they won't come come to saving faith, because yeah. I know people who've left for Islam come back out of Islam and become on fire for Jesus. Yeah. That happens all the time. But those who convert to Islam, you'll find what's common in their testimony is they already came to the point where they could not accept the Trinity. That's part of their story. Trinity didn't make sense to me. Jesus being God didn't make sense to me. God dying on the cross didn't make sense to me. A man dying for my sins didn't make sense. So they were already prone and open for a religion that still gave them Jesus and the God of the Bible, supposedly, but without the Trinity and the deity of Christ. And lo and behold, that's Islam. Islam says you can keep the God of the Bible. You can keep the prophets of the Bible. You can even have Jesus, but we're going to give you a human Jesus mm. and a God who's not triune. And he said, man, that speaks to me. Mm. So this is the common thing I've seen among those who have left Christianity for Islam is that already in their minds, the core doctrines of the Christian faith did not make sense and was not supported by the Bible. You know what's interesting is that um, today, literally today in class, I had a student ask me, he said, Mr. Conover, can a person be a Christian and not believe in the Trinity? And uh, mm. I want to, um, when we come back, because we're, we're coming up on another break here, yes. I want to get your response to that, because I think a lot of Christians don't know why the Trinity is so critically yes. important, and spiritually, why the devil would make such an attack on the Trinity, exactly. I think, is really, really interesting. So stay with us. My guest today is Sam Shamoon. He, he is an apologist, specifically 
um, helping Muslims to come to a saving knowledge uh, through Jesus Christ. So uh, we'll be right back. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. Six one nine two 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 zero seven sixty six. Save money by taking good care of your car. Call Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside. Locally owned and operated since 1991 with all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers at ConoverTires.com. Dan and his team are proud to support Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. They even sell affordable, reliable used cars and enclosed trailers. Conover Tires, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard, 760-439-1631. This is Kevin Conover with Educate for Life Radio, and we are airing locally on KPraise FM 106.1 in North County. That's down here in San Diego. We're also on KPraise AM 1210. Uh, you can listen to us every Sunday, but also uh, you can listen to us on po- podcast. You can listen to us on YouTube. We're on Facebook. Uh, we stream live, so uh, this show is not edited. Uh, so you know we got to be careful what we say here. Yeah. Every once in a while, I have somebody think we're off air and. and I had a guy one time say, hey, I need to use the bathroom. And I was <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, we're still on the air. <laughs> but uh, my guest today is Sam Shimon, and uh, we're having a great conversation. We left off last segment. Specifically, I'm asking Sam, and I was telling him, um, I had a student today say, can you be a Christian and not believe in the Trinity? What would hmm. you say, Sam? Yeah, see, now I first asked for further cl- uh, clarification. Are you saying someone who rejects the Trinity outright? Well, I would say that person is not saved, but that doesn't mean he can't later on come to repentance and be saved. Now, the reason why I say that is because the Bible is quite clear. I'm just going to go to the Bible because that's our authority. Yeah. So if a Christian is asking me, I'm sure he would want an answer from Scripture. John 8, 24, the Lord Jesus Christ himself says, unless you believe I am, you shall die in your sins. Mm. Now he says, unless you believe I am. So the question is, I am what? Then we go to 2 Corinthians 11, verses 1 of 4, and Paul warns the Corinthian church. He says, I have betrothed you as a chaste bride, a chaste virgin, to one husband. But he's afraid, he says, lest the serpent who seduced Eve will seduce you by his cunning, rob you of your integrity. And he says, for no wonder, if someone comes and preaches another Jesus from the one we preached, or has a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel, you put up with it easily. So no, Paul is warning us. Satan is going to try to seduce you spiritually. And the way he's going to do that is, by having you believe in a Jesus other than the historical Jesus, the one we proclaim. Mm. So here it's quite clear. One of Satan's tactics is to get you to believe, because Satan doesn't care if you're religious. He doesn't care if you believe in a God. The Pharisees he doesn't, are religious. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And he doesn't care if you're spiritual. What he cares is that you don't come to know the true God, the true Christ, receive the true spirit, and know the true gospel. He's okay with you believing a counterfeit gospel or receiving a, a spirit as long as not the true spirit. And Jesus himself binds eternal life with having an intimate knowledge, not just head knowledge, mental ascent. Yeah. Even demons have mental ascent. But a knowledge that God is real and an intimacy with him, walking in union with him, walking in fellowship, being in love with him. And that's John seventeen three, where Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, not just intellectually, because even the Jews had mental ascent. Yeah. Know you intimately, mm. have fellowship with you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So if someone outright rejects the Trinity after being presented with the evidence, this is who God is, this is what the Bible says, Jesus God in the flesh, and rejects it, on the authority of Scripture, that person is not saved. And I'm not saying I'm their judge. I'm just going by their profession because that's all I have access to. On the basis of their profession, I cannot consider that person a brother or a sister 
until he or she repents. Now, can there be people ignorant of the Trinity? It's not they reject it. They yeah. don't know the Trinity and are saved. Of course. Yeah. When we got saved, we were all ignorant of the Trinity. Yeah, we were ignorant of so many things. A lot of things, yeah. even salvation. Yeah. But that's where the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, not just in the way we live, but the way we think, and raises up teachers with his approval to teach us the faith, like mm -hmm. you're doing. Yeah. You're doing apologetics, teaching young teenagers what they need to believe and why. Yeah. So, Sam, uh, let me take that a step further. So, I mean, that makes uh, biblically total sense what you're saying. So why is it so necessary that Jesus is God um, mm. from a salvation standpoint mm. in the sense that, okay, Islam says, no, 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 Jesus is just a great prophet, yes. but then they're working, there's no assurance of salvation. What, what is the connection there yeah. as far as that is well, concerned? Well, number one, the reason why it's important is because that's who he is. Yeah. To deny who he is is to deny basically Jesus Christ. Mm. If he's God, then that's who he is. Yeah. And you have to affirm him for who he is, not what you'd like him to be. Yeah. Number two, why is it a salvation issue? Because the message of the scripture is quite clear. I know there are people who claim to be Christian who deny it. The very fact that Jesus enters into creation to redeem creation demonstrates that the solution to this problem required divine intervention mm. because creatures, not just human beings, because someone can say, well, why couldn't an angel do it? Because a creature is incapable of saving not just someone else, himself. Mm. This is why it required divine intervention. Only the creator was powerful enough. Only the creator had the ability to step into creation and do for creation what creation could not do for itself. Redeem it from the curse of sin, from the rebellion of sin, the effects of sin, and Satan. So if Jesus is less than God, then he's disqualified from being the savior of creation. Not just humanity. And I, the reason why I keep saying creation because I'm echoing Colossians chapter 1, mm. 15 to 20. If you read Colossians 1, 15 to 20, Paul begins by affirming that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, the one who's supreme over all creation. And it says, for by him, all things were created. In heaven, on earth, whether visible or invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. That's the creator. Yeah. That's the almighty God. But then he goes on to say 19 and 20 that it pleased God to have all his fullness dwell in him and to recon reconcile all things on earth and in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So the one who created everything, he alone was qualified then to redeem everything in heaven on earth. This requires a divine intervention because a mere creature cannot save himself, let alone someone else. And it's not just Colossians 1, which is implied explicitly. If you go to Jesus' own sayings in Mark 10 and Matthew 19, when the rich man walks away, he walks away, and then he says, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Mm. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then disciples in shock say, then who can be saved? Our Lord's response, if you go to Matthew 19, 26, he says, with men, it is impossible. So can a man save himself? He says, impossible. Yeah. But with God, all things are possible. Mm. Only God can do that which is humanly impossible, save mankind. But if you're telling me Jesus is just a creature, then he cannot do what is impossible to creation, which is only possible to God. So to deny the deity of Christ is to then deny the very heart of the gospel that our condition required a divine intervention. Only God could cure and remedy our condition because now you're saying either a creature could, which then contradicts scripture, yeah. or... Jesus didn't save anyone because he's not God and therefore not qualified. Mm. And that's a Muslim argument. He's yeah. not God. He's just a creature. And therefore, he couldn't die for anyone. That's exactly their logic. He's just a creature. He cannot die for someone else. Yeah. yeah. And, and this leaves them in a position where they are having to fight for their own salvation. Precisely. It's, it's a little weird when you come to Islamic salvation because, remember, Muhammad is preaching in the context of trying to convert Jews and Christians in the 7th century Arabia. Mm -hmm. He had a lot of interactions with Jews and Christians. And so he heard a lot of what they believed, and he adopted a lot of what they believed, but changed it to suit his Islamic theology. So in the Quran, you're going to find echoes of Christian belief. For example, in the Quran, Jesus is said to be the word of Allah. Where does that come from? He's the word of Allah. Though Allah of the Quran is not the true God, yeah. still this title, word of Allah, that's John. John. Yeah, John chapter so 1. So Muhammad is aping things he's hearing from Jew, uh, Jews and Christians. And I, I heard he was not, uh, uh, he's not illiterate. Is that true? The The popular belief is that he's illiterate but there's no indication that he was illiterate because okay. the term ummi which is the term in arabic yeah. denoting 
Illiteracy actually means someone who's unlettered, meaning uneducated, as far as the previous scriptures are concerned. Okay. Not that you can't read or write. It means that you're ignorant of the Bible. Yeah. And ummi in the Quran means someone who doesn't know the Bible. Now, um, mm -hmm. something that's really interesting to me also is, uh, is there a compare and contrast? I, I was talking to a guy outside the mosque up in Claremont, and he said to me, I used to be a Christian, but now I'm a Muslim. And I said, well, why would you do that? And yeah. he said, because the Quran is scientific and the Bible is not. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> so yeah. I'm just curious for our listeners, yes. are, uh, when it comes to reliability, um, yes. can you give us examples of the Bible's reliability over the Quran? Well, he, he uses a typical tactic that Muslims try to employ, that the Quran not only is scientifically accurate, but it actually makes statements that scientists only discovered to be true now. Hmm. How did Muhammad know? Well, even if I grant that argument, for argument's sake, let's say that's true. That doesn't mean God inspired it yeah. because you have even evil spirits, unclean spirits, who are aware of a lot of the things that at that time would not be common knowledge to a human being. Yeah. For example, how does a baby develop in the womb? Well, a spirit that can enter a human body can see and then can relay that information to Muhammad. So all you're telling me is that some spiritual force inspired him to produce the Quran, yeah. to now deceive is, people. It, along those same lines, is it true that uh, Muhammad originally thought that his uh, the supposed visitations from Gabriel were actually yes. demonic? Yes. He actually thought, uh, the Arabic term is known as majnun. Majnun means possessed by a jinn. Now, many Christians won't understand what a jinn is, but everyone has heard of a jinn. Genie. Yeah. A jinn is a genie. Now, a lot of people will hear, hear genie say, oh, that, those are mythical creatures, not according to Islam. Mm. In Islam, jinn are actual class of creatures distinct from human and angels. They're not angels, even though some say they would be a tribe of angels. Yeah. They're not human, but like humans, they have free will to choose to follow Allah or follow another path, and like humans, they can procreate. And in Islamic theology, yeah, they can procreate. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I had a guy on talking about the Nephilim not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, well, so. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Because if, if, what, what, if Muhammad saw these jinns, then in reality, they wouldn't be jinns. They would be fallen, evil angels, mm. evil, unclean spirits masquerading as a particular group of creatures to mislead him, right? Because yeah. Satan doesn't care. He'll, he'll be anything you want in order to deceive you. If you yeah, want well, him to be Bible Santa says, Claus, uh, right? He'll appear as an angel right. of light. So. Even if, he'll even appear as Santa Claus if that's going to get you to not follow Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't believe in the true God. Yeah. Believe, believe in Santa Claus and the tooth fairy. Just don't believe in the true He doesn't care. Yeah. But so Muhammad did think he was jinn-possessed meaning that he was demon-possessed. But it was, unfortunately, I say this, unfortunately, a Christian monk who convinced them otherwise. According to the Muslim sources, his first wife, her name was Khadija, yeah. she had a relative who was a convert to Christianity, a Christian monk, who would translate the gospel into Arabic. It said he would read it in Hebrew, write in Hebrew, and translate in Arabic. So she went up to him and says, well, look, you're this nephew of yours, it wasn't literally his nephew, but it was just a term of endearment, nephew of yours he said he saw a spirit so what do you say so muhammad explained to him this is what happened he goes oh by god if what you tell me is true the same namus meaning the same agent that came to moses has oh. come to you and you're a prophet to these people it was a christian who uh, convinced this man that he wasn't even that's horrible oh my gosh well my guest today is sam shamoon we are uh coming up on our last segment so i hope you'll stay with us i'm going to ask him what is the most effective way to reach out to the Muslim community that's near you? So stay tuned, and uh, we'll hear what he has to say uh, about that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619 
998-0924. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his educate for life teachings thank you kevin from the hall family and team home loans thanks for being with us today this is educate for life i'm your host kevin conover um, you know, I haven't been giving out the phone number uh, this this today, but uh, hopefully you've seen it. If you're streaming it online, you have seen the phone number. Our phone number here is 866-577-2473, 866-577-2473. If you yourself are a follower of Islam or you know somebody who's a follower of Islam and you'd like to call in and talk to Sam directly, if you have a specific question for him, please call in. Uh, I'd love to, to hear your question and, and field it on the air here. We are live, 866-577-2473. Uh, Sam, so, uh, you know, you've been doing ministry for a long time now, uh, since around 1999, reaching Muslims. What have you found to be the most effective yeah. method for uh, reaching out to Muslims? Yeah, I, I want to put everything in perspective, and I want to emphasize that it has to truly be. And I know people may th- say say it sounds cliche. No, it's true. It has to truly be the Holy Spirit using anything you do to bring about the redemption of a person. Yeah. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, we are told, Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Spirit of God. Mm. So we pray, we pray and hope, we ask the Holy Spirit, use me to bring about regeneration in the heart of this person because that's your work. Now, with that said, <clears throat> not all Muslims will have the same concerns. Some Muslims, you'll, they won't come through debate or argumentation they may be experiencing some tragedy in their life and some heartache and they see that islam is incapable of filling that emptiness and so what draws them and you'll hear this often the love of christ revealed through christians Mm. in fact there's one particular brother who has a ministry called sira c-i-r-a al-fadi he came to christ because of the love of a christian family that took in him he's a saudi arabian convert to christianity now others that won't work for example, my partner, David Wood, who is a top apologist against Muslims, the Lord used him to bring Nabil Qureshi. Oh, Many I know, people know, know Nabil. Nabil. Yeah. I mean, he went to be with the Lord, a tragic loss for us, but for him, gain, because yeah. now he's perfectly healthy and more alive. He's in the presence of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But he didn't come because of love, because he was experiencing enough love from his family. Mm. In fact, they love-bombed him. So the love of Christ is not what appealed to him. What appealed to him was the arguments showing that Jesus died and rose again, and then the argument showing how immoral Muhammad was. Mm. See, the arguments for the resurrection of Christ troubled him, but not enough to abandon Islam. It's when David Wood started presenting questionable aspects of the life of Muhammad, that's when he could no longer follow Muhammad and he fell in love with Jesus. But that's all because of the work of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because you can use the same arguments to another Muslim and doesn't faze him. Yep. So it depends on the Muslim that you're witnessing to. Sometimes it may just be, praying for something to happen in his life. Maybe he's sick, his mother's ill, asking Jesus to heal him or some family member, and bam, answer to prayer. Like, wow, yeah. how is it that Jesus can answer prayer? I thought he's just a prophet, right? So it depends on the circumstance. But with that said, whether we like it or not, Muslims do have challenges to the faith. And as a Christian who's committed to the authority of Scripture and wants to honor Jesus and live for Jesus, we are commanded, and I want to exhort everyone listening, you're doing it, and I thank God for you, and I pray God empowers you. You're doing what this passage says in 1 Peter 3.15. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always, first it says, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. That part I don't want to forget. Yeah. I got so excited I was going to go to the second part. No. <laughs> but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that's within you yeah. to whoever asks. Yet do so with gentleness and reverence. Now what's ironic because people may not know what the Greek word, because that part is written in Greek, the entire New Testament is written in Greek. The word defense is pros apologian. Apologian. Sound familiar? Yeah. Apologetics. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the very word apologetics 
apologists is actually <clears throat> taken from this Greek word that Peter used by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if I were to give you the gist of what Peter's saying, Christians, not just elders, it's not to all believers. Yeah. All you Christians, be ready to do the work of an apologist. Be ready to engage in apologetics because people are going to ask you and you can't run from the questions because Jesus wants to use you as his mouthpiece to refute these objections in order to capture the person's heart and bring him into obedience to Jesus Christ, their only hope of salvation. Mm. So we have to be ready to give answers. And like I said, you don't need to be a scholar. Just yield to the Spirit, trust the Spirit, and he will guide you on a journey that will be fruitful and will bless you for the rest of the days of your life. Yeah. In other words, take me, for example. Because of my encounters with Islam, I have absolutely no doubt, and the Lord knows that I say this from my heart, I have absolutely no doubt in light of all the attacks and the answers God has given me. Jesus is alive, he is risen, the Bible is his word, and the God who lives is the triune God of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. But when I first started, I didn't have this confidence. Yeah, yeah. 20 years later, I have no doubt. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes it seems to me like a lot of times, especially with Islam, it's interesting. I feel like there's a lot of interaction between, for example, Mormons and Christians. I feel like there's a lot of interaction between Jehovah's Witness and Christians to an extent. Yes. But a lot of times it seems like Muslims and Christians are in two separate camps and it's almost as if there's no crossover. And so I think a lot of people out there think to themselves, well, geez, I don't even, uh, when, when would I even have these conversations? Or, uh, what, what, what would you encourage to the guy who's, he's out there working his, his, you know, his job. I'm, a, I'm an apologetics guy. Yes. You're an apologetics yes. guy. This is what we do for a living in a sense. How, how do you encourage the guy that's, you know, he's working his job. What does he do to get involved to begin to, to make yeah. a difference in that? Well, unless you're living in some really remote rural, rural uh, area, yeah. I would be shocked if you don't run to Muslims. They're everywhere. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm not trying to uh, generalize, but they're in your 7-Elevens, your Dunkin' Donuts, and your gas stations. They're your doctors. Yeah. They're your pediatricians. They're your physicians. And <clears throat> chances are they're your neighbors. I would be really shocked. I know there are still pockets in America yeah. where you don't have a lot of Muslims. Yeah. But when you're talking about California, you're talking about Illinois, you're talking about Arizona, you're going to run into them. There's a there's a big change over to, over the past oh, yes. 20, 30 years. Yeah. In fact, yeah. uh, they say the highest concentration of Muslims happens to be in Michigan and Illinois, particularly Dearborn and in Chicago. But even, even in Arizona, they're now having a sizable Muslim community. In L.A., there's a size. So th they're coming because they're trying to flee their their countries because there isn't opportunities to succeed or get established and they want the freedoms of America so they can have a better life for their families. So they're coming. And some of them are coming with the intention of converting and converting non-Muslims. Mm. Not everyone. Yeah. And this is another thing. I don't want to generalize all Muslims. And the reason why many Christians don't want to reach Muslims is because some Christians and even the media have has done a bad job of making it as, as appear as if every Muslim is an Osama bin Laden, mm. ready to blow himself up or behead you. But that's not the case. Yes, they're there. There are terrorists among them. But not everyone is a terrorist because not everyone knows Islam. Not everyone is practicing Islam. They're just Muslim culturally by name, but they're here because they want a better life, a better education, better opportunities for their children. Yeah. But if you keep seeing them as terrorists, guess what that's going to do? It's going to make you shun them because you're afraid of them. They're the other. and They're here to kill me. So you're not going to have any love and compassion to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's not the attitude we're, we're supposed to adopt. That's right. Because whether we like it or not, Jesus even had terrorists in his groups. When it says Simon the Zealot, yeah. well, what is a zealot? Zelotus means someone who pretty much was a terrorist against Rome. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus welcomed him in. Yeah. Paul, for all intents and purposes, was a first century version of Osama bin Laden. Was not Paul... Killing Christians. Yeah. Oh, hardcore. And yet Jesus made him one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, who gave us half of the New Testament. Mm. Thirteen of the books are attributed to Paul that he wrote with the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gave to him. Yeah. If Jesus had the attitude of Paul, as many of us have Muslims today, then we would never have a Paul. And we, our New Testament would be much smaller than it is now. Yeah. And the testimony we have of many Muslims who have come to Christ yes. is is uh, that that was the background for a lot of people. Yeah. So. So we got to not assume they're all the same. In fact, not all Muslims are of the same branch of Islam. It's like Christianity. You have the Protestants and even Protestantism. You have Baptists, and then you'll have Presbyterians. In Islam, they have different branches. Now, the largest branch would be the Sunni sect, about 85%. But most Muslims who claim to be Sunni don't know why they're Sunni. Yeah. 
They're ignorant. It's just because my parents are born in this tradition. Yeah. And they don't really understand the life of Muhammad. But I do want to qualify that a little further. I'm not saying that if you follow Muhammad and his teaching sincerely, you don't end up a ter terrorist. Unfortunately, you do. Mm. What I'm saying is most Muslims don't know the life of their prophet, don't know what the Quran actually teaches. So thank God they don't know. Yeah. Because if you do and you follow it with all your heart, then you end up an Osama bin Laden, you end up an Ayman al-Zawahiri, you end up forming an ICE group, you end up forming Al-Qaeda. That's the inevitable result of following this man. Which is the exact opposite of what somebody who becomes a radical follower of Christ is. Hallelujah. Yeah. Okay, so we're almost out of time here, but I wanted to give you, Sam, and I, I should have done this earlier, but um, what, do, what are you doing now? And can yes. people support you? Can yes. they? Um, how, how can they... Maybe either get involved or prayerfully get involved or yes. support you financially. I would highly encourage them because those who are interested in reaching Muslims but may be intimidated because they don't think they're qualified, do go to answeringislam.net. Check out the articles. Go to individual authors. You'll find two pages with my articles there, answeringislam.net. And also I want them to go to the blog, answeringislamblog.wordpress.com. And then follow me on YouTube because I try to do several live shows, live streams for my YouTube page at least once a week if I have time by the grace of God. And there I update people and I deal with the core issues, not just with Muslims and their objections to Christianity. I also educate Christians on what the Bible teaches and why they should believe it and mm -hmm. dealing with cults like Joe's Witnesses. And the YouTube page is Shamunian. Shamun, S-H-A-M-O-U-N, and then I-A-N at the end. Shemunian. Subscribe. Shamunian. Subscribe like and follow superhero. me. But be careful. Sometimes we go like we go for the juggler. We get some people there that, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's not politically correct. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. No, uh, so if you're listening out there, I hope that you enjoyed the program today. Sam, thanks so much for being on Thank the air. Thank you for and, having me. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine to serve you for we, Jesus. We could have talked several hours yes. more because uh, this is such a needed topic of discussion. And it's not often you have people that have the depth of knowledge that you do. So that's yeah. a huge blessing. Thank you so much for what you're doing and how God's working in Praise your life. Lord Jesus. And God bless you for what you're doing and preserve you for his glory. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed the program today. Wave goodbye. <clears throat> we'll see you later next time, okay? And uh, very soon, we're going to have some more experts on the program. I've got some great interviews lined up with others who are testifying to how God has worked in their life and how God continues to use them. So uh, I hope you join us again next time. God bless you. Have a great day. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry. We're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit educateforlife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719.